0: Well, today we are continuing our series called Lifted. We just started it last week, and uh, we talked about the story of God last week in four huge parts. And so if you missed that, it's on our, on our podcast. You can go back and catch up on that. But today we're going to talk um, about freedom, we're going we to talk about Lifted and, and really engage this idea. And I was thinking about this this week. I was thinking about the dog that I had growing up. I had this amazing dog, and her mother was a basset hound, and her father, it's just a a funny way to talk about this, but uh, her father was a boxer, (laughs) all right? And so she looked like a basset hound. She was short and fat, and then, you know, she had those big, huge feet, and she had long ears, but not quite as long as a basset, and she wasn't... She was a little bit taller than a bass's, so there's a couple things that were, you know, maybe a little bit shorter ears and taller bit. And so the boxer in her made her run really fast. Like she was super fast, and it was actually hard to catch her. So she was kind of like this big running back. My friends and I we would love to chase her, and she loved that game. We'd try to catch her, maybe even tackle her, like, but it was almost impossible. It was almost impossible. And so one thing about my dog is that she could not stand being captive, being on a leash, uh, being kept up in in any kind of way. She wanted to be free in any and all circumstances, and she was incredibly strong and stubborn. So it was was a hard dog for me to learn how to raise as a young kid, but uh, she was a lot of fun. And so one of the times that she was very much like this was whenever she got a bath and she most, spent most of her time outside, so, so she required many of those. But I used to wash her in the, in the outside in front of the house, and she hated it. And so every time I did it, she'd have her collar off. She wouldn't be leashed up or anything like that. And as I washed her, you could feel, you could feel her try to take a step. And you could see the wheels turning in her mind, like, I, I want to get away from here. I, I want to be, like, a, there's no collar. I'm ready to run. And like, you could just see that happening. And she would, as I would be, you know, doing everything, she would just take steps. And she'd move. And she was like a typewriter. And I had to pull her back <laughs> to, like, she just keep moving. And so finally one time, as we're doing this, she, she's like, she decided, I'm going for it. And so, like, I turned to grab a sponge or do something in a bucket. And she took off. Went running, and you can just see her. You can see, even though she's running away from me, she's like, she's like, I'm free, like I'm free. Actually, that would be awkward. If she did with her front two paws. She'd be like on her back, back legs running, and and that would be amazing and YouTube worthy. But um, so her ears are flapping in the wind. She's like, I'm free, I'm free, and they, and and she waited till she got to the neighbor's yard, and immediately like turned. And just dove into the ground, and with her feet up in the air—no joke—just just rolling all over the place to get as dirty as she possibly could. And she's soaking wet, and so she and she's got soap all over her; suds are flying, and which is not good. But um, it took us forever to get her back because she's free and she's hard to catch. And uh, and but she was covered in dirt and rocks and grass because she was like a magnet, being so wet, and everything just stuck to her. But she had her moment of freedom. And, and it's, it's, quite, it's pretty interesting, and, and, and you'll th- maybe you think this is funny, but we're like this with God. <laughs> we engage God in this way. We just want to be free. Just, just let me be free and run. Well, what if, what if God wanted the same thing? So today we're going to engage this topic of talking about lifted and and as we get started, I, I want to start today with something that you don't have to believe. You don't have to believe that this is your choice. You're not forced to do this, but you, you can engage this however you feel. So as Christians, as Christians, we believe that, that God created this incredible world for us. Um, But we we walked away from that, and we've fallen. We've broken it. And we messed it up and broke our relationship with God. And we believe, as Christ followers, that Jesus is the only way for us to be made right and to be brought back to God, to our Father. That means that we can't do enough good to make up for what we've done. We can't be, love people enough and be a good enough person or do enough prayers or attend church enough or all these different things to, to give to the food banks and all these, we can't do enough of that to get to God. There's nothing, that we cannot do that. It's impossible. And that Jesus is the only way for us to bring, get back to the Father because he was the only one who lived a good enough life. He's the only one that could bring us back. We also have this loving God who made us free and gave us a choice whether to accept him or not. He gave us the ability to go our own way, to choose. And so this is both offensive and freeing all at once. Our belief is both offensive and and freeing all at the same time. It's offensive to many because we say only Jesus. It's only through him that we can be brought back to God, that we can be made right again. It's only through Christ because of what he has done. But it's freeing because it means that he earned it for us. His death and resurrection did all the work for us. There's, there's nothing we, we can do or have to do. And that's freeing. It's a gift from him. So why is it that it is so offensive? Why, why is that hard for us to admit that we've done wrong and that we need God and that there is a specific way? Why do we resist it so much? Well, I think it, it really goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. It goes back to when God gave us a list. He gave us this list. Maybe you've seen it before. You've seen it you know, graphically designed to put on some weird parchment paper just to make it look very holy, or I don't know. Like just to listen, you've, you've seen 10 short statements, or whatever, you know, you've seen all these different statements there, and they're just kind of short. But if you, if you actually read it, and it's found in Exodus 20, if you ever want to read through that sometime, they're not all, some of them are short. And we're going to read through just a couple today, but, you know, but not all of them are like, some of them are several sentences long. But this is where we kind of rub up against God. So I'm going to read a couple of these here. You can find this in Exodus 20, but it says here, it says, uh, it says you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet. Actually, that's not all of covet. That's just the beginning. It says you shall not covet your neighbor's house oh wow, you don't usually hear that part, okay, but it's not done, it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, oh wow, okay, Okay. like yeah, I guess that's that's important to say and to know, Um, but it's not done, it says, or his male servant, or his female servant, don't like and, and servant is a the the view of servant in this time and day and age when this, this these commandments come out is a lot different than how we would view that today. But anyway, it's not done here, okay? Or his ox. I mean, how many times have we wanted so bad? Like my neighbor's ox. Wow, okay? Or his donkey. I mean, that one's tougher, I know. Uh, but yeah, um, or anything that's your neighbor's. Okay, well, that, that works for us. Anything, anything that you do, don't covet that. Wow, that is it. And so I, I, it's, it's, maybe you're really offended by me making light of this because it, it does seem funny to us to read that now. But you're like, man, God, this is the words of God. He's given this to us. And we could go into what that represents and what that meant to them and what that means to us now. But you shall not covet. But we, we, we hear the, the, the Ten Commandments. But here's what we hear. Here's most likely what you hear. Thou shall not do these things. Don't do this. Thou shall not this. And this is what we have this view of not only God, but just religion in general. You can't do this thing. You can't do this thing, this thing, this thing, and this. And don't do this or else. That is our view of religion. And then you're like, well, God said that, right? So that's this is our view of God. And so it just accuses us. It accuses us. And so our response to this is pretty interesting. Some of you, some of you want these lines drawn. You want this. You want the rules. Because it gives you something to do. It gives you something to say, I achieved this. You want some prayers to pray to get you to God, to make you feel like you are, you are closer to him. You want some, you know, some good deeds that you can do, and you want some things that you can say, I didn't do that, so therefore I'm, I'm good, right? Some of you like having that. But the problem with this is, is that you can't keep it up. You can't always do those things. You're going to mess up. You're like, well, I didn't murder anybody. So like you like, and that's part of it. You've got to point out something that somebody else did. I mean, that's one that we're all pretty good on. We're agreeing on that. But don't lie. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. There's a lot of things, it's all covered. We can't do it all. You can't keep it up, and eventually you have to hide because you can't do what you want to do. You want to keep these rules, and you have to hide, and you live then in guilt and shame, and you'll beat yourself up, or 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 you'll have to you have to shame somebody else to say, "Oh, I'm better than them." There's a struggle to that. Pursue. So some of you love these roles. Some of you ask, why, why is there even a line? Like, why did you have to do this, God? Why make this such a big deal? Why are you just, you know, can't we just pursue our own good? Can't I just do my own thing? I just want to love. Like, love is love. So I just want to love. Like, we should, there shouldn't have to be this thing between us. Why did you have? And we're mad at God. We don't like this. So we think... I can just pursue my own pleasure, and I'm going to be good to others, and that should be enough. I just do whatever you know. I'm just going to do whatever I want, and we don't like what God has said should give us pleasure, and so like we're just going to do our own thing. But the interesting thing is, is that we're using the very things that God created, the things that He He said would be good for us, and we to pursue our own thing. We're like, I don't like the way that you said we've got to do it. I'm just going to do it my own way. But we're still using the things that he created to pursue it. But it doesn't bring us joy. It doesn't fulfill us the way God can. And so we have to do more and we do more. And we don't realize it at first, but we're actually creating our own cage. We've drawn our own lines. And we're miserable. And we're like, God, we're like, why do, you, why do you have to have this? So we struggle, we struggle with God, and we struggle with the law, the rules. What's interesting is, is that the law, the law shows us, it shows us what is wrong, but it also shows us what is right. It shows us the things that are good. Paul, Apostle Paul, someone who. If you've heard of Paul, he wrote quite a few of our New Testament scriptures that that help us understand and explain Christ and who he was and his teachings But Paul was someone who hated Christians. He hated Jesus and he was doing everything he could to get rid of Jesus' followers, to stamp out Christianity. But then one day he encountered Christ in an incredible way and turned his life around and gave his life to him and became one of his most influential followers and really one of the most influential people of the world. And he was a highly educated religious person, very much recognized in that world that they were in at the time. And he had an incredible ability to help us understand things, taking what was the law and in this new covenant that Jesus had brought to bring it to light. And here's what he says. This is found in his letter to this church in Rome. And he says, I would, he said, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. He's like, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, hey, don't covet. He's like, it helps me know what is good and helps me know What was actually bad? It actually drew a line for me. It helps me know that. So it shows you what is wrong, but it also helps you see what is good. But because we can't do it, it draws a line between us and God. It absolutely is there. And so we have this place, and what we see then what we imagine is that God has said, okay, here's your little box. Here's these four lines. And it could be a triangle if you're into shapes, I don't it doesn't matter to me, but like we got this box around you and it's like, all right, don't cross that line. Don't do this and you're like, so we go to the edge, right? We're like, all right, I'm, I'm right here, I'm doing everything like I didn't really do that, right? Like we do everything we possibly can to stay but then, Something happens, and we step out, and we're like, oh, you stepped out, and then we feel shameful about it, and we're all upset, and we feel guilty, and we do these things. It's like, don't go outside the line. So then in this case, we have two options. We have two options. We either do everything we can to be really good. We do everything we can to be really good and try to keep up the rules. Or we throw up our hands and we're like, I'm, I'm gonna go, go for it. Like, who cares? I'm done with this. I'm just jumping. I'm going all the way. I'm going for it. Ears flapping in the wind. I'm free. Like, I'm just like, I'm doing whatever I want to. So I'm here today to help turn this view up on its head. just our view of God and how how we perceive this, we feel like he's just given these rules and we've got to follow rules and that's what it's all about. And I want you to know that's not what it's all about. And what you want to do is remember God's story. We talked about this this last week. There's four parts to this incredible story, his pursuit of us, that we once had the world that we all wanted, that we desperately want to see now, a world of peace and justice without death or disease or conflict. He once had that world, but we messed it up. We couldn't keep up the laws. We we have what the Bible calls sin. We sin. We we, we broke our relationship with God and with others. We call that the fall, but he promised not to leave us there, and he went after us to redeem us and restore us back to this incredible beauty. And so to redeem us, something had to be done. He had to die. But we can't grasp why he had to die and why we need to die to sin, why that has to happen, unless we understand his incredible love for us and his grace. And they both work together to, you can't understand his death and resurrection unless you understand his love and grace, but you're never going to understand his love and grace unless you understand his death and his resurrection. Why that was so critical for him, to die. But I want today for us to look at his incredible love for us. See, that is the thing, that God doesn't just love us. He is love. God is love. God is life. He is the one who's given us life. He doesn't just have life. He is it. It's it. The life that we have is the life that he has created because he is it. He is love. So to walk away from God is to walk away from love, is to walk away from life. It's broken. It brings death. So we have this incredible loving God and a full loving God gave you That freedom he created, he let you choose. He didn't force you to follow him or to love him. And The lines are showing us this place of life, of love, and beauty. He's like, I've made you to experience this, but you've got a choice. Don't cross this. Please don't. And so... When we did that, we are rejecting love. We rejected life. And then we found out our version wasn't so good. <laughs> that our version isn't so great. We're like, God, you, I don't like your way. I want to pursue this. And it's just been broken, and we're fighting. And no matter how much advancement we have, how much health care, how much advance in our hospitals, We see that the world is still broken. We're still in racial conflict. We're hating one another. People are killing one another. There's there's death and devastation. The, The creation is ruined. We feel it, we see it, and we're broken. But God didn't just leave us there. A loving God, he went after us. He didn't come to put you in a box. He came to free you from it. He actually came to get rid of it. I want you to listen to these words of Jesus. This is not the God that we've been told about, that we think that is always there. Jesus says this. I'm just going to read through these. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, I have told you all these things, the things that he's been teaching, so that you may have peace. He's like, In this world, you're going to have trouble, But take heart because I have overcome the world. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Over and over and over again. There's so many references. There's too many to put here. But he just says, don't. Be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. John, writing about Jesus, said God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Christ. To save the world through Christ. We can't keep the rules, but God knew that. He knew it. So he sent his son to take our place to redeem us, to free you, to free you. Here's the kicker about this, and this is hard for us to grasp because it's ingrained in us in a different way. But Jesus' defeat of death in the grave, it paid the penalty. It paid the debt that we owed. It's completely paid for. It's done, everything for our wrong. He paid it perfectly. Our past, present, and future. He paid for all of it. And that means that the judgment is off of us in Christ. That means that the line is gone. It's gone. There is no line. In Christ, there's no line. To That's it, there's no line. Paul is explaining this to these early churches and he's writing to them and he says here to the church of Colossae, he says, you were dead because of your sins because of, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he, Jesus, forgave all our sins. Listen to this. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. There's no record There's no new record started. It's gone. Writing to the church in Corinth, he says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. There's no angel in heaven. I don't know. They've advanced, all right, so they're doing this. Writing everything down. Oh, got it. No. There's no record. There's no court. It's been adjourned. We're worried about crossing the line, but when you believe in Jesus, there there is no line. This is so critical and crucial for you and I to understand in this whole series. This is the foundation. When you're experiencing anxiety in your life right now, when you feel the weight of everything happening in our world, the weight of a lack of relationships, relationships, if you have kids, life is stressful. Our relationships in general, our romantic relationships, we're fighting more than ever. We're struggling. We feel anxious. We're fearful. We don't know about the future. We're fighting as a nation. There's racial violence happening. We feel more divided. We're stressed. How do we find freedom? How do, and this is about your life, how you engage your life, how you experience this. So this is key. This is a foundational element for us. In Christ, you are free. Like you are free. You're put in right standing. You are redeemed. Listen to what Paul says about this. He says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. It just shows us that we can't do this. He says, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord like you've been given right standing it doesn't matter what you do in the future in Christ when we believe in him and commit our lives to him he paid that price for us so we are free free absolutely all the way there's no line there's nothing keeping score and you're like really really like really really free like like yeah yeah like what so like i can I can sin? Like, yeah. You're free. Go for it. Sin, baby. Go for it. Yeah. I no, not Wait. Wait, did our pastor just say that? Like, yeah, I did. What else? You've been given right standing. You're going to tell me that you're going to live a perfect life from there. No, no, you're not. no I'm not. Just go ask my wife. <laughs> We can't earn it. Only Christ can, and he did it once and for all. He took what we deserved, and we got what he deserved instead. That's why we sing so much about his incredible love for us. Why We're blown away. He leaves the 99 behind to go after the one. He wants you to be free. And we need to really understand the power of that. See, remember, we as Christians, we believe, hey, we've fallen, we blew it, we messed it up, and that Jesus is the only way. He was the only one good enough to bring us back to the Father. And then we don't have to earn it. So remember, God is life. He is love. And so then... His commandments, what he's asking us to do is all about that. This changes the conversation. The conversation is not about how good were you this week or how much did you blow it this week. The conversation is I'm a righteous son and daughter of God. That's my identity. And that gives me the strength to say, God, help me to walk away from death. The things that drag me into slavery sin is a cage, and we walk back into slavery, when we sin. This is, why, this is what Paul says about this. He says, well, then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can just go on sinning? He addresses this several times. We're like, so we can just go for it, right? He's like, no. He says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? And, man, this is so profound. We're like, you know what, God, I want to do my own thing. I'm gonna be free. We think that we're free, but all we're doing is just enslaving ourselves to something else. We're just choosing what to chain ourselves to. He says, Don't you realize that? He says, You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living, to life, beauty, love. In Christ, your identity is secure. It changes the conversation. Let's change our view of who God is. You are lifted. Let's embrace this freedom. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for these incredible words of life. God, I pray that we would wrestle with just how free we are that we wouldn't be pursuing you out of guilt or shame, beating ourselves up, but just understanding your incredible love for us. We would experience the beauty, the fruit of what that will mean. Thank you and ask this all in your name. Amen.